0: Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Harmony. That was a blessing. I love the words of that song. I'm going to ask Brother Stences to make his way up to the platform. I remember when I first heard from a good friend of mine, Jacob Thomas, that Brother Stences was going to have to come off the mission field. And I immediately went to Pastor Chaplin and said, I would love if Brother Stences could join the team here. And He said, man, you can approach him right away. And I'm going to say this, if you're called to missions, you ought to get to know this man. If you have an interest in missions, you need to go get to know this man. And Brother Stenses, says, unlike anyone else who works here, every day deals with pain. He has neuropathy at his feet. Every step he takes hurts him, and he is making sacrifices to be here. And I'll tell you what, this man, we have a hero in our midst. I hope you'll give him ear this morning. He'll help you if you listen to him. Uh, he was a great missionary, but more importantly, I believe he's a great Christian. I love him. I thank God for him. Please join me in greeting him as he comes to preach at this time. Thank you, brother.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. I've got an hour and a half message getting 20 minutes. Well, maybe 40. <laughs> maybe 50. No. <laughs> This passage is many times overlooked. Uh, When I said Matthew 28, most of you probably thought, well, we're going to 19 and 20, and we'll be there for long, but I want you to look in verse 16. Verse number 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. May we pray. Father, you've been so good to us. Lord, what a testimony. What privilege we have to be in America. But yet what needs we see. Lord as we look past this man to all those people that do not know Christ the multitudes I pray God that you would do something in the hearts of these young people today some of us can't go much anymore but you've given them good bodies and sharp minds. I pray, God, that you would so stir their hearts that they might have a vision like this young man. And, Lord, how you used him in a country. One man started so much. I pray you'd take men and women in in this building this morning, change their hearts, change their lives, their directions that we might please you and not ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Titanic, how many of you know what the Titanic is? My wife said you better ask them because a lot of them may not know. <laughs> that was a boat. The Titanic was called the unsinkable ship. They said it, that it was reported that the people who built it said not even God could sink it. Yet, on April 15, 1912, it sank. It sank in 31 degree water. Now think about that. What is freezing? 32. The water was 31 degrees. People that are jumping off the the ship, all different sides, and trying to save their life were jumping into 31 degree water. History tells us there wasn't enough lifeboats on the ship for everyone, But as they began to lower the lifeboats and things, people were fearing so much for their lives and possibly being dragged down by the suction of the ship when it went down, that the capacity in those lifeboats was 60. 60 people per lifeboat. And many of them went out with only four or five people not concerned about the others, they would take off with just four or five people in the boat. In that 31 degree water, immediately when you hit that degree of water, hypothermia sets in. Within just about 10 minutes, I mean initially you have the cold shock, and within one minute, your body begins to lose heat at 25 times the normal rate just by being out in cold weather. Immediately it begins to suck the heat out of your body. Ten minutes, your muscles begin to weaken. And the reason for that is when you are in that cold water, it is automatic your body begins to draw the blood away from the extremities and in towards the core of your body, trying to keep the heart, trying to keep the other vital organs going. And so within about 30 minutes of being in that water, you you can't hardly even tread water. I watched a video that they produced and they took strong swimmers, I mean Olympic swimmers, and they, they just big, robust guys and girls, and they took them out there and it was 40-some degrees. And within about 20 minutes, they had to pull them out because they were going to drown. When your, the blood is pulled back into your body... You have no oxygen you have no food for your muscles and your muscles begin to get so tired they they're they're almost useless and and after 30 minutes you're trying to tread water but it's an extreme extremely difficult effort just to tread water just to keep your head above that water About that time, within that 30 minutes to an hour, usually, they say, because of all the difficulty, that many of them will have a heart attack. And when they have a heart attack, they just simply sink beneath the water and drown. And they're freezing to death, and they're, they're, they're losing consciousness. And they cannot get a hold of what's going on, even around them. They say there's only very, very... Extremely few that have ever made it to an hour. The sinking of the ship. You've got hundreds and thousands of people jumping off the ship into the water. And these boats have rowed away. And the tragedy of the Titanic was this fact nobody rowed their boats back to help the people even after the ship went down they sat there in their boats for an hour listening to the screams and the cries and the pleads for help come back Help! And when it's calm, and the water was calm that day, and they say when it's calm, you can hear a pin drop for for a long ways away. And all these people back here in these boats, sitting there, three, four, five of them in that boat, huge boat, and for an hour they sat there listening to the cries of those as they were crying out and saying, Come back! Bring your boat back! And after an hour, they finally started rowing back. But 1,502 people, it was too late. They were already dead. Every day, 151,000 people go out into eternity. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 16, you see the couple principles talked about here. First of all, the principle of obedience. The 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had what? Appointed them. He he made an appointment. He said, I want you to be on this mountain at this particular time. He made an appointment with them. Now, what if they just not showed up? What What if they treated that appointment like you do your class? What if they said, Well, you know, I got some other things to do? And it's just not that important the principle of obedience some of you kids are going to be failed from your class simply because you don't miss or you don't make your appointment you have an appointment every day at that particular time for your class god has an appointment for your life and god expects you to be where he wants you to be at that set appointment and we get so caught up with our things and what we want to do that we're not listening to what God says and what he wants us to do. Adults do the same thing. They you know, they they miss a Sunday school. They miss soul winning. They miss church. Because they had this football game or they had family members coming over or they, they had something else. And they missed the appointment that they had with God. The principle of dependability faithfulness thank God these, these disciples made the appoint, their appointment they all showed up when they were supposed to now listen to me you're saved the ship is going down out there if you watch any news you know we're in sad trouble in, in, in America and around the world and you're saved you're in that boat and you, you've rowed away from the problem. You don't have to worry about dying and go to hell. You know the book that it says that we cannot lose our salvation. But you're sitting out there in the boat. Do you hear the people crying out? Come back. Come back. Help us. And you'll sit in that boat for an hour until it's utterly too late. You hear missionaries and pastors. They come in all the time. You see the problem here in verse 17. It's the same problem we have. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Why don't I want to go to the mission field? Well, brother, you know, they got snakes over there. They got them in Texas, too, and I don't see anybody running away. They got them in California, too. You come out here to school. It's not a problem of snakes. It's not a problem of rebels. It's not a problem of disease. It's a problem of unbelief. I will not trust God. With my life. I'm going to stay back here in my boat. And I'm just going to sit here and listen. And listen to them. As they cry. How many times have missionaries come to this platform? And said come over and help us. Come over and help us. How many times do we have mission conferences in our churches and missionary after missionary? How many times do we have evangelists and pastors stand up in pulpits, in your pulpits, in this pulpit and cry out and say, come back! Help us! We sit out there in our comfortable little boat and we got room. And we could row back and help them. But we sit there in our comfort. And we sit there and we listen to the cries of the heathen come back. Notice in verse number 18, he says, All power jesus came to them saying all power that that's exousia that means authority you see authority the whole thing the key to discipleship or being a disciple is authority who has the right to tell me what to do who has the right to tell me where to go who has the right to tell me what ministry to be in We've got our own little agenda, our own little idea, but what does God say? What is his appointment in your life? Are we truly disciples? Will we go back and tell them the gospel? Matthew 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How can he tell me to do that? Because he's the authority. He tells me where to go, what to do, what to think. In verse number 19, that's why he says, Go ye therefore, because I am the authority in your life. I can tell you to go to China. I can tell you to go to San Francisco. I can tell you to go to Africa. I can tell you to go to Europe. Because I'm the authority. We do more praying about God, I don't want to go, than we do God, where do you want me to go? Come back. You're in the boat. And people are crying out all over this world. Come back. Help us. That command. I wasn't going to do this because I thought I would be out of time. But I want to read you a letter. Some of my students, may this may be a repetition, but that's fine. It's a letter from a chief, a pygmy chief in a village over in Uganda. This is the actual letter. Wambiri Muojo from Windy Settlement in Bukonjo. On 14th June, dear pastor, reference, very important issue. Your booklet, Going Home. That's a chick track. All about dying of AIDS and all of this. He you said, Your booklet, Going Home, was passed to me by a friend on 28th May. And after reading it, I just got confused. Because I've never heard before of any person called Jesus who can give eternal life. But before telling you my request, let me share with you this shocking news. Number one, I and my three wives have AIDS virus. My first wife died on 14th February, leaving behind two children. Number two, as I'm writing these words, I don't have any hope of living for six months ahead. I have a strong skin rash and big open wounds all over my body. I wish you could be there and see them. They're miserable. I've sat beside their bed as they're dying. It is not fun in these places. I was told by my doctor that my days are now numbered. I have a sister, number three, I have a sister who is also very sick of AIDS. Our family is gone. We don't have any hope, Pastor. In my village, people are dying like insects. My request, we don't want anything from you but send us or come personally somebody who can teach us more about this man Jesus and this eternal life. You know we can die any from today but I have arranged the 24th June, Thursday to send someone to meet you in our town of Windy. It's about 300 miles from Kampala and it costs 23,000 shillings to reach our station. That's 46,000 to and from. Please, this amount is nothing compared to our lives. We only need to know God's word and be prepared before our death. He said, if that person comes or you personally, ask Mr. N- K- Kenobe's store and you'll find my messenger there to bring you to our village. There's not any preacher around here. The place is full of Muslims only. I'm the chief of this village and I have invited a lot of people to come of 25th June. I'm expecting the gathering to be around 500 people so please make sure that you don't fail. We prefer a person who knows Luganda or Swahili languages to come because those are the languages they can understand. Please, Please, please. (laughs) Come without fail. Come back. Come back. Would you help us? This pygmy chief is crying out. And took the time to write this letter and send it 300 miles by runner to get it in the hands of a missionary, so somebody could come tell him who Jesus Christ is. He sent a person with the word of God, and that's why I've sent this letter in advance of two weeks. If possible, we shall refund your money of transport. We're looking to meet you without fail, Buambale and Kojio a dying man without hope. This letter is brought by hand through a friend who is determined to look for you. He found the missionary. The missionary went down and they did have about 500 people. And they preached the gospel and 120 pygmies received Christ as their Savior. but the chief was not one of them. It was too late. He died before they got there. Come back. Come back. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature not just in America, not just to the youth in America. 50% of our people in Uganda is 17 years old and below. Come back. There are so many things that we could say. The promise, what a wonderful promise. I'm with you always. I remember when on Christmas Day we we have a little pageant. It's fun. You think your things are, in your churches are fun. We, we have fun. And they all get to act the parts, and we have some that are shepherds and some that act in the sheep, and these sheep are crawling. Now, you have to understand, in Africa, they don't treat their animals like we do in America. Okay? We don't have little pet cemeteries and psychologists for pets and stuff like that. They treat them a little rough. And so they're walking across the the sheep and, you know, and the shepherds are coming and they got sticks and they're beating the fire out of these people, you know. Ah, you know. But right before the play on Christmas Day, a 16-year-old girl comes in the back of the church and lays down on the back bench there. And she just begins to scream and cry out. It's too late. It's too late. I'm dying. And Sheila, one of the ladies, one of the first converts I had in Uganda, she, we went back there and sat down with her. And this little 16-year-old gal begins to set up and start telling us how that her mama told her not to sneak out, but she'd sneak out at night and go up to the discotheque and said the men would buy me drinks. And from that point, I will not go any further. And she says, and I've got AIDS and I'm dying. And it's too late. And we tried, we pleaded, we did everything we could to get that lady to understand that God loved her and wanted to save her. They buried her two weeks later, lost. It's too late. I'm sick and tired of hearing too late. Young people, you're in the boat. You, you're saved. You're not going to go down with the ship. But you have a world out there, countries without one gospel witness, countries with no missions, entire countries. And there are people in there just like this pygmy chief that are saying, just send somebody to tell us about this, this Jesus and this eternal life before we die. Sad to say, for many of them, it's going to be too late. And We sit here in our comfort and we sit in our boat. You want, you want to know why missionaries go? Because the letter's like this. And you know what keeps us on the field? People like this. People are calling out, come back. Come back. Don't stay there in the boat yourself. Come back and tell us about this Jesus. Not everybody's going to listen. But 120 pygmies put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But it was too late. For the chief notice he says i am with you always you don't have to worry about what country god sends you to what people he sends you to he says i'm going to be there with you Lo, i am with you always listen if i didn't believe that i'd have never set foot on that plane if you believe In God and he is bigger than you are. He can take care of you on that field. I am with you always even to what? The end of the world. Where was his focus? Not on Jerusalem. His focus was on the world. And I'm afraid that that our Bible colleges, we are focused on America. America. And yes, people need the gospel in America. But there are billions and billions of people that are not in the boat. And they're saying, come back. Come back. I can't tread water anymore. Come back. Come over into Macedonia and help us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You're in the boat. What are you going to do? Sit there and continue to listen to them? Listen to their screams? Listen to them just gurgling as they finally... Go beneath the water? Are you going to pick up them oars? Are you going to start rowing back? You might not be able to rescue a lot of them, but you can get some of them. Pull them in the boat. Come back. Come back. Some of you need to surrender to missions. You need to say, God, I'll take my boat. I know you can take care of my boat, and I'll go back. And I'll tell them about Jesus Christ. I'll tell them about that eternal life before it's too late. Would you come back?